1: You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red as we reflect on another special day at the city ground for Nottingham Forest this season. There's been a few, i have beat Arsenal in the FA Cup, beat Derby and now they've thrashed Leicester City, the FA Cup holders, 4-1. We're joined first of all by BT Sport presenter and BBC Radio 5 Live presenter Darren Fletcher. Welcome back Fletcher, you well? Good, thank you, Matt. A little bit hoarse today after the shouting, but I'm okay. Good, 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 good. And our second guest today is Reds fan Mikey Clark. Mikey, are you okay? I'm good, Matt. Very, very similar to Fletch, actually. My voice is
0: a little bit croaky, so hopefully I can get through the next few minutes. That'd be good.
1: Well, we shall do our best. We'll do our best. I've just read I look like hell. The hazards of working at home and never leaving your house. I need to shave my beard and get a haircut, but that's uh, offers on the side. Right, Fletch, why don't you start us off just with your thoughts on... You know the the overall occasion, the atmosphere. You were in the ground. But what was it like being there?
2: Well, I, I was trying to work out the last time I'd felt the ground feel like that. Um, I can't quite remember when it was. If I'm honest, I mean i i was I was immediately drawn back to the day that Forest beat Arsenal when Gary Brazil was caretaker manager. Um. I mean, I wasn't there for the game against Arsenal recently because I was on holiday. But I was kind of going back that you've got to be going back a couple of decades to get to anywhere near that yesterday. Um, I mean, the crowd have been tremendous all season. I mean, they've got to be pound for pound the best crowd in the country. Have to be. I mean, 28,000 is a lot for the City ground. But you go to Premier League grounds and there's 50, 60 in there, but they don't make that kind of noise. Crowd was superb, got everything they deserved. Um, and it just felt big. Everything felt big. I was I was less nervous at 0-0 than I was at 3-1. But I just think the occasion and, and what it stood for and what it is and what it means. I mean, this is a special club with a special group of supporters, a team that's developing in front of everybody's eyes. And I think it was a day that, that everybody has waited a long, long time for. Meant that a little bit more because it was Leicester, um I, I just thought it was brilliant if, if you could kind of if you could roll it back and keep it and then when you felt a bit low you could revisit I think we'd all be happy for a long long time
1: yeah I mean watching it on TV Mikey I know you were at the ground as well but it was notable how many times the commentators commented on the atmosphere Martin Keown pointed out as well it must have been one of the special days that you've been out of you know you've been going for a long time it must be right up there mustn't it it is,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking, same as Fletch. That the last time, uh, the ground was kind of like that. Obviously, Derby days aside, which are, you know, very, very uh, incredible atmosphere. A lot of them. Um, yeah, I'm scratching my head as well, to be honest with you. I did watch the game when I got home, Matt, on TV, so I know exactly the comments that were made. And Alan Shearer, for example, looked a bit dumbfounded um, by, by the atmosphere after sort of, sort of, uh, you know, the half time analysis. I just thought it was. Uh, it was just a wonderful day from start to finish. Um, even when the team sheets came out and Joe Worrell's names on there, massive surprise. Didn't expect him back anytime soon. So that's that's a huge lift. And then I'll be honest with you. I had a look at their team and I thought we've got a chance here because some of, some of the, the names that I expected, your Casper Michaels, Jamie Vardis perhaps weren't weren't featuring. And I thought if we can maybe keep it tight that first twenty minutes, we've, we've got a chance you know, and as it sort of transpired, we did that, and then the crowd just came alive, even just before that first goal, you could almost sense a feeling, certainly where I sat, of have we weathered the storm now, can we sort of get on the front foot, and then we had sort of, I'm sure we'll talk about it, Matt, we had 10-15 minutes where I've not seen anything like that for, for years, maybe even since the poor Hart time, um, and it was just wonderful, and, and, and the atmosphere and the The whole feeling around the ground sort of steamrolled all throughout that first half and the second half. And I think Leicester were were genuinely taken back by that. Um, And you could see it in their play. You know, we took a couple of steps forward. They took a couple of steps back. And it it was just a a brilliant day. And and obviously, relating that goal, you're you're a little bit nervous because you're a forest man. (laughs) Um, And you come out the second half. And to be honest, we were excellent again. And everything sort of fell into place from start to finish. And that, that was born by the atmosphere as well, and it was just a just one of them special days, man. You won't, you won't forget in a long time.
1: Mm, mm, true, true. I mean that nine minute burst, Fletch. You commentated on Champions League finals and Premier League football. I mean, we'll get we'll come to you know our promotion ambitions, but that that spell of football wouldn't look out of place in the Premier League, would it? It was that high quality.
2: No, but I think that's what you get when you have a team that wants to play in that way. You know, the big criticism of of, of Chris Uton's Forest, and at times. Sabri Lamouchi's forest, is that they were too negative. This is a team that wants to play on the front foot. And when you can get momentum like that, and you start to score goals, it becomes infectious. And they've got the kind of players in there now that can play at that kind of pace, play at that kind of tempo. Um, the football, I thought, was of a, was of a really high standard. I to the fact that that's probably as bad a central defensive display that I've seen from a Premier League side for quite some time. I mean, Soyuncu minus Fafana and Evans is an entirely different player. And Marti is a makeshift centre-back at best and looked it yesterday. Um, there was very little cover. Indeed, he normally protects the, the two centre-backs a lot better than he did yesterday, whether that's a legacy of coming straight back from the Africa Cup of Nations. I've not seen many goalkeepers as um, timid unconfident with the ball at their feet as Danny Ward yesterday. I think that was a real highlight that they didn't really want to play it back to him and he didn't want to receive it too often either. But I just think it's <clears throat> it's a legacy now of what Steve Cooper's trying to do. He wants a team to play that way. And I said to somebody yesterday, they're set up now perfectly because the three at the back and the wing backs and the, and the players they've got can quite as easily now go to Blackburn and play as a counter-attacking team as they can play at home to Leicester and play on the front foot. They're superbly balanced now. And it always seemed to be previous managers struggle to get the balance right. They're either too defensive or too open. Steve seems to have found a way to get the balance right. Three at the back, certainly the way forward. If they can carry on playing that way, it certainly fits the personnel better. Um, but I just think it was one of those days yesterday where if you sit down and, and try and work out what the man of the match was, and you did it around a table, probably be five or six different suggestions and and none would be um, unfair. But I just think it was one of those days where nobody, nobody had a bad game. Everybody came and performed when they needed to. And I think just kind of looking, I don't want to kind of run before we can walk, but I did say yesterday that if they do go through the playoff route, if they can become a playoff team and they can qualify for that tournament, what they will have learned and the experience they'll have gained as a young team by playing against Arsenal and Leicester in winner-takes-all cup ties already this season, will stand them in great stead. That experience gained at that stage, you know, the playoff well, wouldn't. The playoff situation wouldn't be unusual. It wouldn't be new. It wouldn't be something that they've got to get their heads round because they've already done it. They've done it twice against superior teams, and I think every step they take at the moment is really good for the development of them. But, you know, I, I wasn't surprised. I've got to say I wasn't surprised. I watched it back myself when I got back. And if if you if you forgot that one team was in the championship and one was in the Premier League, if you just assessed it as a football match, the the team in red were a superior side yesterday and won it in the manner that you would have expected them to on reflection. We just don't really want to allow ourselves to believe it really happened because it doesn't happen very often or hasn't done for Forest in recent times. But I mean they were they were they were streets ahead in every department yesterday and got exactly what they deserve.
1: Well, you mentioned there the centre-halves, and it kind of leads into one of the players. I mean, we could talk about the whole Forest eleven really, but I want not to talk about Keenan Davis, because the last time you were on, Fletch, he'd had a couple of appearances, he looked bright. Now he's got two or three goals, and he was exceptional again yesterday. To Forest... Um, do you see him here next season? They have to buy him. That kind of leads into the second topic of what you were talking about last time you were on. They've got a lot of money invested in strikers. They've got Lyle Taylor on the bookstore who might go. They put two million quid in their pocket for Sam Surridge. And there's Lewis Graben. So it's not a, quite a clear-cut picture, is it?
2: No, and I also don't think there's any necessity at this stage to make that decision now. There's a lot of games that, that, that Keenan Davis is going to play between now and the end of the season, which will help everybody work out what his future is going to look like. I think what you saw yesterday was a a number nine playing as a very traditional, authentic number nine. And it's quite rare these days. You know, I said, when we spoke before, the experience I got of seeing Keenan Davis play is that he works the centre back to death. And he did that yesterday. He was instrumental in helping Forrest get up the pitch. You could play the ball into his feet. He'd hold it. He'd lay it off. And he'd do things that were, that you'd consider basic number nine jobs but there aren't many number nines uh, who do that now, like we saw yesterday. I thought his performance was, was exceptional. I was speaking to Gary Bertles about it after the game yesterday. And of course, Gary would have, would have done that in, 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 in a similar way. And the ability to play into the number nine and out again made it really easy for Forrest to get up the pitch. It meant that they could get Zink and Agle on the ball in good areas, Brennan Johnson in good areas. I think the thing that he's, that he's doing well, which was the big question, and I, I, I mentioned this last time, Can he score goals consistently? Because that's always been the issue at Villa, um, that that kind of being involved was fine, but then where where would the end product be? I thought a massive step down the road in that regard was the goal he scored against Barnsley, which I thought had a bit of colly about it when he picked it up just inside the half, carried it forward, a lot of time to think about the finish and finished it brilliantly. It's a shame that the volley didn't go in yesterday because that would have been a special goal but he's playing with so much confidence. He's so big, he's so strong, but he's got that intelligence as well to know how to link the play. Um, at the moment, I think he's the, he's, he's the best striking option that Forrest have got. If he carries on like this, it's the kind of number nine that can carry them a long way this season. And I certainly feel that those conversations will be taking place already with regard to whether he's a player that they're going to look at on a permanent basis for next season, but, I mean, he couldn't have made a better start,
1: that's for sure. Has he surprised you, Mikey? I mean, he didn't have a great goal record when he came on, but now they've got him, and Sowies did well when he came on as well, did did a good job. But just on Davis, has he been a bit of a shock to you, how good he is? Uh, honestly speaking,
0: yeah. If I'm honest, I did see him a few times play for Villa. They they used to sort of bring him on with sort of 10, 15 minutes to go if they wanted something different, um, and that was my exposure to him. So, I guess when he joined Forrest, I... I suspected that might be the case with Graben going off maybe with 15 minutes to go and him coming on us going a bit more direct but I'm fully admitting to hold my hands up I'll, I'm completely wrong I think he offers a hell of a lot more than that um, as Fletch was saying you know he was chesting the ball down yesterday bringing players into play allowing us to get up up the pitch which is absolutely crucial um, I think the previous options we had made that tough at times and I think Davis is, is absolutely an upgrade on that. What I also like about him is um, in previous games, Cooper switched him out to the wing. I'm sure he played on the left-hand side against Millwall away. And his direct running and his, his aggression was brilliant. And that's something else I didn't know that he had in his game. And that's because I've I've not seen him enough. But I think Flash has got a great point around the, the, the plays that we have at the moment are allowing us to play in in, in different ways. And Keenan Davis, yes, he might have had his back to goal a lot, for example, against Arsenal. Um, but against uh, Barnsley the other week, he was forward-facing, running at defence, as I said, taking him on. He's a much better player than I thought he was, which is great for Forest, And it's it's brilliant to have him, especially if Graven's out for a couple of months. Um, I was worried at that news, of course, as as, as, as most Forest fans were, would imagine. But Davis looks more than adequate. Replacement. And I did uh, mention as well, Matt, you mentioned Surridge coming on. When he came on, I said to my wife next to me, What we need from him right now is just to rat around a little bit, win the free kicks, get the challenges in. This is maybe not a match where he's going to get penalty box chances, as it were, at the the time. We just need him to get around. And literally within 10 seconds, he picks a ball up, wins it back, wins a free kick. And they're all. They, they were all attuned to what we were trying to do yesterday. It was brilliant to watch. Um, and he's a young player as well, isn't he? He's only 22, 23, Surridge. So I think Cooper, after the game, was talking about the amount of young players on the pitch. And, you know, as a fan and, and as fans, that gives us hope for the future that, you know, these players, in theory, will only get better. And I guess Keenan Davis is one of them as well. And, and if there is an opportunity, perhaps, regardless of what division we're in next season, to, to bring him in again, either on loan again or if Filler aren't that keen on him on a permanent deal, it's one from the first, say, month of him being here. I've, I've been really impressed. and It's one that
2: maybe we should look at doing. I think what you've got to remember here, I mean, this was kind of driven home to me on Friday when I spoke to Steve Cooper for, for Radio 5. He said to me that in January, he was given the option of more players. But the, the, the ownership had, had created a situation where more players were being offered. And his view was that he didn't want to do that because he got what he wants now. And he needs a pathway available to others to play. So there are players here that need to play, players that I believe in who I want to play. And I don't want to just want to bring people in for the sake of it. And I think that tells you a lot that <clears throat> when you think he brings in a player like Keenan Davis, I don't think it ever would be to come off the bench for 10 15 minutes because I don't think he'd bother. I think he brings players in that he thinks can help them in the here and now and can make his team better. And I think that's a very sound transfer policy, not necessarily the transfer policy that Forest fans are used to, where it's let's go and gather 15 players from Europe and let's hope three or four can play. This is not that anymore. This is different. This is a very selective approach. This individual's available. What can he do? Does he improve the team? Do we need him? If these boxes are getting ticked, then they'll make the deal. If if not, they'll stick with what they've got, which it sounds straightforward and it sounds very joined up, but it's not a lot of the time. So it's quite refreshing to see. And it's not just Forest who are like this. You know, managers get obsessed in January in particular of almost stockpiling players. Let's get a load in and then we can't do anything and we'll put them all in a box. And if we ever have to get them out, we're all right. They've not done that. So it tells you, A, the faith he's got in the people that are there. B, that he's very happy with what he's seen so far in terms of them being able to carry out what he wants them to do. And then C, that the decisions that have been taken on the players who have come in, they're there for a specific reason and will have a specific role to play and a role that can make the team in general better.
1: Hmm. Um, right, that interview went out on Friday night on Five Live, so people can dig it out and listen back to it. I'd urge them to, because it's good. And I ripped off some of the quotes for a piece uh, on our website. Um, what did you make of Cooper then, Fletch? You've interviewed quite a few Forest managers. He's the best yeah. talker that I've heard, but what, what do you, what, what's your ver- uh, verdict on him so far?
2: Well, I mean, he's straight A's, isn't he, so far? I mean, I think the commentators said on the television yesterday that only Fulham and Blackburn have got more points in the Championship since he's been the manager during that period of time, neither of those managers had to lift the team from the bottom of the league. So you've got to put that into focus as well. He's done as good a job in in, in managerial terms in any division since he's been the manager. I think what really impressed me on, on Friday was that I've been around managers there for a long, long time, going all the way back to 93 and Brian Clough. And managers have approached Nottingham Forest in a variety of different ways. Some have tried to embrace what the club is and what was there before and what will always be there. Others have been petrified by it. You know, I know managers who have come in, um, I think it was Joe Kinnear, and took all the pictures down of the European Cup times in reception and in the corridor, because his view was that's in the past and we've got to look to the future. Didn't go well for him. I think it was Gary Megson that removed the Brian Clough statue from reception out of there because he didn't want to see it every day when he walked in. It's crackers. What Steve's done is he's identified what the club is, what the culture is. He'll go and have a pint or a cup of tea with the European lads on an afternoon, and they'll tell him stories. He was delighted that he'd had the chance to sit down and talk to John Robertson. He, He thought that was brilliant. He knows what the club is. Forest fans know what the club is, and he's not frightened to embrace it. And I think that's going to take him a long way because he gets it. Um, I always I always think we're quite a unique fan base I'm Nottingham born and bred so I can say this and, and if people want to argue with me they can, I'm not really bothered because I'm coming at it from a, a person who spent his entire life in this city, I think as Nottingham people we're quite a fickle bunch in general and I think we're never better than a crisis, I always used to look at Forest and think the gates were great when they were going to get relegated and they were great when they were going to get promoted but when things were just okay, people were a bit like yeah whatever, so now it's like fever pitch but he gets it. And, and he said to me something really, really interesting on Friday when he said, Look, I, I just don't want to let people down. I don't want to let people down. I know what it is. I know what it is. And I just don't want to let people down. And he really cares about it. Know, really cares about what he's doing. He, he's, he's been a breath of fresh air. He's the best manager that's been in there for a, a long, long time. And people said to me, people keep saying to me, he's the best manager since Billy Davis. He's different to Billy Davis. Very, very different to Billy Davis. Billy didn't get it like Steve Cooper gets it. Now, Billy had strengths. He got Forrest into the playoffs. Can't forget that. But he left a trail of destruction behind him, which didn't necessarily help come playoff time. Th- this, is, this is a guy completely at one with the situation. And I'll tell you something, you know, and this is worth acknowledging too, just looking bigger picture, because as, as football fans, we tend to live in the moment, don't we? You know, you, you said to me now, should they sign Keenan Davis? Well maybe not yet. You know, let's have a look at if we get to April and he's still doing this, then then, then it, it kind of but we 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 do we do tend to put it down to the here and now and say, right, let's kind of assess it based on this. I think it's 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 not a popular thing to say, but I'm gonna say it anyway. And that is that there was a lot of criticism towards what was being done before. And I've criticised the transfer policy because I don't think it was particularly that good. But I think people need to acknowledge that Dane Murphy came in and now Steve Cooper's come in and they're benefiting from the foundations that were put down before by the people that were there before. The bulk of the players were signed before. They might not have been being used correctly by previous managers, certainly the one before this one. But, but the foundations have been laid organically over a period of time. This is a team that's developed over time. Not a case of all well, seven have come in and all of a sudden they're great a lot of these players were here when 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 the team weren't playing to the standard they're playing to now but these foundations have been put in place and that's been acknowledged by Dane and by Steve that, that they've just basically come in and picked up what was there before and then tried to refine it and that's a really good situation for people to be in the fact that you can come in and and pick up something and say, well, OK, it's not quite working now, but the majority of the parts are here if I can just put it back together properly. And I think that's what they've been able to do here. Dane Murphy's job has been, you know, easier because of what he inherited. Steve's job has been easier because of what he's inherited. You add all the joined up thinking to that and the improvements they've made and you get the situation they're in now. But just back to Steve, I mean, I think the club's in good hands. Um, you know, I... I, I He's he's impressed me 100% since he's been here. You can't really criticise anything up to now, you know, and you'd be stupid to try. So I think everything's trending in the right direction for sure.
1: Yes. I mean, this podcast is basically a Paul Hart fan podcast, but I think Cooper's Paul Hart, if he's any former manager, in terms of bond with the fans, style of football, building youth players... And that's my favourite Forest team that I've watched regularly. He's more
2: talkative so. than hearty though, mate. If you sit down with him and stick a microphone under his nose, you'll get more out of Steve than Harty, that's for sure.
1: If the, micro- if the microphone's not there, you get a bit out of Paul, don't you? <laughs> but we can't talk about some of that on here. <laughs> Let's circle back to the game, because we should really talk about that and go back to the first goal. Um Zink and Eagle's a funny player, Mikey, isn't he? I mean, he was really poor against Cardiff. And then against Leicester, he's taking up these great positions and ghosting between the lines. And he looks a Premier League player. Do we just have to accept that, you know, it's all or nothing sometimes with Zink and Eagle?
0: Yeah, maybe. That's that's probably why he's he's operating at that, this level, to be honest. Um, I will say that uh, I thought yesterday was his best game for us since he joined i thought he was absolutely magnificent and there was a few you know fletch was saying earlier on around the high levels of performance across the team and that's hard to dispute um i was thinking yesterday around did anybody score in my eyes less than an eight not a chance if i'm honest and zinconega was up there uh not with counting his goal which was you know off his shin but you know they all count um what really impressed me was his uh dynamism and his energy levels and his aggression as well, which has not really been evident in in some of the games that he's played Um, I think there was one point in the second half, in fact it was the goal, it was the Spence goal before the Spence goal he picked it up he shrugged off two challenges I think it was, ran 20 yards full pace, played it to Brennan who had the shot and that was on the left hand side and then 10 seconds later he's on the right hand side as you were saying that, very fluid, picking the ball up a 1-2 with Spence and there you go. And it's 4-1. And he, he was, he, that that kind of, that um, epitomised the performance yesterday, I thought. I thought he was excellent. I thought Garner was excellent. But I guess that's probably what you get with in and Aagle. Sometimes you get a performance like we had last week at Cardiff, where, to be fair, they were pretty much all below par. Um, <clears throat> but then, a few days later, he steps up and puts in a performance like that, which was which was just wonderful. And what you hope, and what you really, really hope as a fan is... We've got a couple of massive games coming up, um, Bournemouth, Blackburn, and I think we've got a couple of home games, I think. Um, you want that level of performance from Zinke and Abel and from Garner and players like that, because if we do, we're going to get something out of those games. I know we were talking yesterday, Matt, on WhatsApp with, with a few others about um, the promotion odds at Forest, and the bookies clearly don't fancy us to get anything at Bournemouth or at Blackburn. Um, and I'd love to kind of stick it up and then go there and get something. Three points, four points over the two games, whatever. Keep us in touch with that top six. Then maybe the odds will change and maybe we'll get a bit a bit of credit with the bookies. But, you know, I'm really positive. And you see that and you think, wow, you see that level of performance. And all you want is the fan. is just a bit of consistency. Please go and do something like that in the next couple of weeks. Because if they do, we'll be up there. And so I've got my fingers crossed, as I'm sure everybody else has. And just one more thing, that. I'm looking at the comments. You know, when we do this podcast, sometimes the comments are usually a bit of everything. I don't think I've read one negative comment yet. Everybody's absolutely buzzing from yesterday. Very positive. Some great points in there as well. So it's nice to be on this podcast talking. You know, it's total positive, isn't it? It's 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 hopeful about what we can do for the rest of the season. Uh, and players like Zinconargo is going to be integral to to what we can do. So, yeah, fingers crossed.
2: Do you know, on these games coming up, I know... I know Mikey's made the point there about Blackburn and Bournemouth, but I think there's about 50 points left to play for, if you look at it. It's a lot of points. You know, if, if Forest get 50 points, they'll win the league. They'll worry about anything else from this point. So everything is still on the table. What they won't do is, is make too much of Bournemouth and Blackburn. There's a lot of games left to get the points. So Steve keeps making the point. This league is about momentum. And he knows that perfectly well from his time at Swansea, where you can come from off the pace. We've seen it time and time again. What doesn't need to happen now is too much be read into Blackburn and, and Bournemouth. I mean, the, the big challenge for the Blackburn game is that not to be after the Lord Mayor's show. You know, the big high of, of Sunday. How often do you see a team go into another game and they can't quite get back to the level? So that's a challenge for Steve and the players. But what I would say is of all of those teams around the playoffs... There will be a a few of them, two or three of them, that at some stage this season win seven out of eight or whatever it is. And that will get you into the playoffs. It won't matter who it's against. You'll win seven out of eight, six out of seven, and you'll cement it. And I just think they've got to have that ability just to kind of decompartmentalize everything and say, look, big picture here is there's a lot of games left. 50 points or whatever it is, 51 points, whatever it is. It was 54 last time I looked. I can't remember that was one game or two games ago. But there's certainly around 50. <clears throat> there's enough points available for probably 15 teams to get in the playoffs at this stage. And Forrest at the moment, you wouldn't want to swap places with too many, would you? The Forrest position in terms of momentum, players. You're also going to get the situation later in the season where you get grabbing back. Moving towards that business end of the season, you get your captain back. It's massive if they can get through to that point. So I get it. I'm keyed up about Blackburn and I'm keen up about Bournemouth as well because we want to see that we can beat these teams. But the reality is there's so many games left that they need a run at some stage that gives them that momentum to get into the playoffs and cement it. And if it's not, if it's not this week, it might be next week or the week after because you never know in this bonkers, topsy-turvy, crackers division when that's going to be. But I know we're trying to find it hard to buy in because... We're Forest supporters, and it's been a while. But I think if you look at it, if you look at it through honest eyes, we've got as good a chance as anybody at the moment. Not called Fulham. Anybody else in in the division, you'd say, yeah, that's fine. If I'm Scott Parker this morning, having just signed four Premier League players on deadline day with a a bunch of parachute payment money, and then get done by Bor and Wood, I'm frightened this morning because you're thinking. Has that affected the equilibrium? That might go back to Steve's point where he said, Look, we're not going to bring in players that we don't need because it can have a detrimental effect on others. If you bring four players in from the Premier League, the lads that have been playing all season and got you into the playoffs are now thinking, Hang on a minute, what's happening here? The centre backs thinking, Oh, so Nat Phillips is rolling in from Liverpool, that's me then. No, it, it, it can be, it can be a bit of a boat rocker. And you, you don't know what impact Steve Bruce is going to have on that group at West Brom. You know, it won't be the first manager that's gone in there and found it difficult to work with that group. It's happened on more than one occasion. Blackburn have just lost a couple of games. Have they had their run? You know, can Tony Mowbray get that back on track and go again? It's hard. You know, it's difficult to do. You can't win every week unless you're Fulham. There's a lot of teams around there. So this is going to go right down to the end. I, I just, I've just, i just got a feeling that, that that Forest are the kind of team that can get the momentum and, and yesterday's performance is the kind of thing that can get it for you because they've got players with a, not only a, an abundance of enthusiasm when they've got the ball. I mean, you talk about Spence and Johnson and people like that. I mean, the, it's, it, it's infectious, isn't it, to watch? It must be infectious to be part of. If you see Johnson making that run, you want to run like he does. If you see Spence bombing down the right and you're low on the left, you want to do the same thing. You know, you, It's infectious. You want to be that guy. But I also think that the kind of team as well that they've got players in there and Zinconagel is one of them who can hit a vein of form and all of a sudden, you know, he gets five goals in eight games and all of a sudden you're thinking, hang on a sec, we're all in here again now. So it is quite infectious and they've got that youthful naivety as well, haven't they? You're 21, 20, 19, whatever you are. You don't, you don't fear anything at this stage. You think that every time you go out, it's going to be like that. And that can carry you a long way as well. So Everything's trending in the right direction. Um, all the all the fans have got to do at this point is keep filling the place, singing the songs and making it like that. And that that just makes it so hard to come and win at the City Ground, that's for sure. Um,
1: we're 31 minutes in and that was the first mention of uh, Johnson and Spence. So we really should talk about them. I mean, is it just a case of in, enjoy them while you can at the moment, Fletch? Because the, the dream scenario to me is that Forrest go up and he stays there for a couple of years and then he makes the move he bypasses that Aston Villa yeah. move that Matty Cash made and he goes straight for Atletico Madrid or something like that.
2: Exactly, but that's the point, isn't it? That's why getting promoted is so important. You know, Forrest, Forrest have been really good at making sure they stay within financial fair play. It's not always been the popular thing to sell a Matty Cash, but that's what they've had to do to keep in line with league rules. That's the way it works. A team down the A52 decided not to do that and look at the mess that they're in now. More for them. Um Forest have always had to sacrifice good young players to keep within the parameters of what the Football League say you can do. And it's held them back, I think, in promotion chasing terms because you've had to get rid of good players season upon season. But the the, the biggest carrot, I think, to get in the Premier League is that then you don't have to sell Brendan Johnson and you don't have to sell the players that you want to keep. You might be able to go and buy Jed Spence. There's a possibility you might get Garner again. All these things are then in play. Joe Waller's going to be your, your centre-back next season. So I think that's that's huge. And you'd like to think the way the club is put together, that they would build in that method. You know, Brentford have done it. They've got a team that they've put together. It's a good team. They get in the Premier League and they just add a little bit to it and it gives you a chance. And you, you'd expect that Forest would be the same. So I think it's it's paramount, yeah. I think anybody who thinks that if they're in the Championship next season, Brennan Johnson's going to be a Forest player, they're probably looking at it from the wrong side. If Forest are a Premier League club, then there is no reason why he'd have to go because it's only a financial decision. And who's to say that Forrest can't then consolidate as a Premier League side? I know we're kind of getting beyond ourselves, but there's no reason why they can't. You know, he loves the club. He's been here since he was knee-high to a grasshopper. But why would he want to go? And, and Steve made this point to me on Friday. He said, I never worried about it because he's never intimated ever that he wants to go play football anywhere else. He just comes in, does his work, does his extra stuff, gets on with it, great attitude, no desire to be anywhere else. So that is a, a financial situation and well done to the powers that be for sitting down and considering the bid and saying no and giving Forrest the best chance to get up this season. But those players can still be here and probably will still be here if Forrest are a Premier League club. And just on players yesterday... I've seen a lot of football in the Premier League this season, and I've not seen many players deliver set pieces like I saw James Garner deliver them yesterday. The ball that, the ball was coming off his foot yesterday, like it used to come off Beckham's foot when he was at Man United. The, the action he was getting on the ball, on corners and free kicks, absolute dream if you're a you're a centre back or whatever in there. His delivery yesterday was 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 off the scale.
1: Mm, I'll let you take a drink of water now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean Garner. It, Yes, go for it. <laughs> um, Man United haven't scored a set-piece goal all season, so Garner's actually managed that pretty well on his own. Um, Mikey, it's an interesting time, isn't it? We were saying before, of the starting eleven that played yesterday, maybe there's only four that are here next season if they don't go up. Uh, but on the same token, are you? I'm not worried because they've actually seemed to have a recruitment strategy in place now. So if it doesn't happen, it's still quite an exciting time, is it, if they don't go up this season?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I suppose it's the way you look at it, glass half full, half empty. I guess if you look at the, the starting eleven yesterday, four or five of them alone players. One of them, as Fletcher said, will, will probably go if we don't go up. So therefore, you're missing half a team. That's one way of looking at it. Or you can look at it in the sense that we've got as good a chance as any. If we do go up, there's a high possibility, I think, of getting some of those players back and keeping the ones that we have. Um But I think it it goes back to the the point that you guys were making at the start, which is it's a sustainable strategy that is kind of trying to underpin what we're doing now. So, yes, we might not make it this season. Yes, we might take one step back to go two steps forward, vice versa. But, But I think as long as we keep on this path where we are signing young players with a high ceiling, we are, somebody mentioned it on the comments just then, academy is so important that there's that pathway for the academy kids to come in. Um, by all accounts, the next crop of them, there's a couple of good ones in there as well. So is there that pathway to come into the first team? And yes, maybe we won't. If we don't go, we won't get to see some of these players again. That's OK. Um, if there is that pathway to come up, maybe the next lot might push us over the line. But again, it's that sustainable strategy. What what kind of worried me in the past was we were almost chucking a dice up, hoping hoping it lands on double six. And then if we get up, great. If we don't, it didn't seem to be that thinking to say this is how we're going to do it it might take a year, it might take two years it might take five years but we're going to have this pathway for academy kids, we're going to have our young players, we're going to keep the experienced ones that can mould and shape side, and bring in the odd couple that will make the difference, you can kind of see that now with what we're doing um, so all I'd say to those people kind of worrying and I'm one that <laughs> this side might break up a little bit it might but we've got to be positive and think that We've got the right things in place now that if we don't get over the line, we can go again next season. That's the key.
2: Mike, as a fan, though, I did anybody really expect this when Steve came in and, and, and Forrest were bottom of the league? You know, I I, I kind of looked at that. When you get a new manager in and you're bottom of the league, that's like ground zero, isn't it? That's day dot. That's We start from here. The fact they've had the success they've had this season has kind of fast-forwarded everything. I don't think that was ever the genuine belief that they'd go from bottom to, to potential playoffs and fifth round of the FA Cup. This is this is pipe dream stuff, isn't it? So yeah. even if at the end of this season they do fall short, there's so much positivity that's come from this season that you would enter that summer with with, with, with a different outlook. You'd be going, right, we kind of know what works here. The fan base is completely in. We've got something here. We've got a chief exec that gets it. We've got a manager that gets it. They're tremendously joined up through the age groups. My boys in the academy at the moment, I'm down there a lot. Andy Reid does the under-23s, very much part of what Steve's doing at first team level. The coach of the under-16s is extremely joined up with Andy Reid. So those 16s are getting exposed to the 23s. So this is going all the way down, even to the younger age groups where the 13s will train with the 16s and get to know that coach and those players. And then when you train with the 16s, a 23 might be training down that night and he's been on the bench for a, a League Cup match. And then straight away, you're thinking, right, not only, not only does the, the manager develop players well and he's happy to, to let them get an opportunity and, and, and help them on the, on the way, everything's now joined up through the age group. So it's all right clubs saying, well, we've got a Cat One Academy and we want to build through the academy. It's then sometimes difficult to identify how they plan to do it. But they're all extremely joined up. You know, They're all speaking to each other. They're all in the same buildings. They're all having discussions about individuals and groups and what it's going to look like. So there is a genuine move in there to get this production line working properly integrate the Academy into the first team, which, which, I mean, Matt went back to Paul Hart. It's probably the first time since then that, that it's been like this, where you've got that direct relationship between the two entities. Um, and I think that's going to be so important. I mean, we're, we're all kind of getting carried away with Brennan Johnson at the moment. I can't wait to see Alex Myton play in this team because all Alex has known since he's been a Forest player is quite a defensive setup and he never seems to get on the ball in space. I, I want to see what he can do because I mean, there's a, you know, there's a tremendous amount of potential in that young man who's going to come into a team now that's playing with confidence and they're enjoying it and they're attacking. And he's going to think, Blimey, it didn't look like this when I last played. So he's going to come in and, and that could be the next one. And then there are others that we've seen, you know, who are going to think, well, I can do this. And I think it's that belief when you are an academy player, when you're under 23, it's that belief that you can have a chance. And a lot of clubs, you don't feel that way. It's close closed shop. Forrest, that's not the case, and that counts for so much. So I think there will be other players coming in and filling those gaps. And, and, and if, if, if players do have to go for whatever reason, I think they're relatively confident that they can cope with that, you know, and they, and they can move on. And we, we touched on it last time, Mikey, when I was on before. You know, Steve's got a great track record of finding players, hasn't he? You know, and other, other clubs will say, yes, you can have my central midfield player because when he comes back after a year with you, he's going to be a better player and sitting in my reserves. And that's going to be fascinating to see the kind of players that Forest can have either as one of the promotion favourites next season in the Championship or a newly promoted Premier League team. I think it's going to be quite competitive to get players to the club because they know what the future is going to look like when they've been here for a while. And I think that's, that's vitally important. I mean, it should be something that makes the supporters feel confident and excited about the future, because I don't think this is going to stagnate after this year. This is not a one-year thing. This is a young side, and they've got young players, and they've got genuine aspirations. And, and this, this is the start, rather than the, oh, we better get there, otherwise we're going to lose half the team. This is the starting point. They almost might be the victims of their own success, to a certain extent, the fact it's gone this well so quickly.
0: Mm, true. Can I just say, man, that that is so good to hear with your First hand experience of it, Fletcher, around, around that pathway, because that's, yeah. you know, I'm hoping speaking on behalf of, of the majority of fans, that's kind of what we think is happening. So to hear that example is great. And and that's the key. So, in answer to your question, Fletcher, no chance did I think we get anywhere near <laughs> top six this <a> season. <laughs> not, not, not a chance. And it, it was obvious that some of those players were underperforming. Of course, we all saw it. They were struggling. Absolutely. But did I think we put, I thought we might get mid table. I thought we might consolidate and then you know, look to maybe change things significantly in terms of some of the the personnel. But it's almost been, we did a little bit of that, didn't we? And he's got this playing style as well, which I love watching. Um, I've never been a fan of five at the back, I'm going to be honest. But with these players, it looks brilliant because it gives license for Spence and Lowe to just basically bomb on down those flanks. And it's great to watch. And it, it also frees up those guys in the middle as well to be fluid, as you guys were saying. And, and no, I didn't think, Going back to the point, I didn't
2: think we'd be anywhere near the top six. you, You think about it. You've sat there yesterday and you've put the television on and you've seen them do that to Leicester. And then you've seen what they've done to Arsenal in the previous round and you see the ground. If you're a young player next season, you've got options in the championship. Days like yesterday are very persuasive for that young man to say, well, I want to go there because I want to play in front of that crowd. I want to experience that. I want to play like that. So that's a very persuasive argument for a player when they've got choices because the best loanees have choices. You know, and you sit down and, and and the parent club and the agent and the player will say, well, let's put everything down on the table. Where's the best place for me to go? Because it's a very competitive market to get those lone players. It's not just a case of ringing Pep Guardiola and saying, can we have him? And you say, well, you can, but there's 15 other clubs who have made the same call And he's going to decide where he wants to go. And days like yesterday are ridiculously persuasive. It's like an adrenaline rush for these. I want to go there. I'm going to go there. And then the the, the manager is saying, well, that's great because we want you to work with him. So it's the perfect marriage then in in many, many ways. And I think sometimes, you know, we would never take the the supporters for, for granted in Nottingham because we know what we've all been through together, the good and the bad, you know, the thick and the thin and all that kind of thing. But, but it really does play a part when a young player looks at that and says, yeah, we'll have a piece of that. And I think you'll find that next season. Whatever division they're in, I think people will be taken by what they've, what they've seen against Leicester and against
1: Arsenal. Um, you mentioned the academy. We should talk about Joe Warrell, the man with the adamantium ribs, coming back so quickly. And then he's... Uh, you know, everyone's talks about this, you know, the head tackle on the floor, which kind of sums everything up. Beyond the goal he scored, I mean... Fletch, if he stays for another few years, he's going to be held in the same esteem as Steve Chettle and, you know, great centre-halves like that who called on the shirt, isn't he?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's. Mikey will tell you there's There's nothing like seeing one of your own do it. You just pull that little bit harder, you know. And you mentioned Steve Chettle. I think it, Steve's a, a perfect example, isn't he? It's, it's a very, very good comparison, Steve and Joe. Um, tremendous. So, but you don't expect anything less, do you? I mean, you don't expect anything less than Joe Royal playing with dodgy ribs. I mean, that's that's what he does. You're going to try and stop balls with your head when you're flat out on the floor. That That's the kind of character that you are. I think it's brilliant. But I think it, it kind of speaks to the feeling in there that he knows he's got to get back in because he's thinking, I want to be part of this. I, you know, I can't let somebody else get that spot and then not get... I've, I've got to get in there. So players are probably going to play through a little bit more because they want to be part of it. But... He epitomised everything yesterday, um, but he's not on his own. It's like we said earlier, you could dole out the man of the match champagne to a a whole host of them. But, yeah, it was great to see him back. I agree with Mikey. I think the three at the back's the way to play, home or away. That seems to suit everybody best. I think Steve Cook's voice is huge. McKenna's been solid all year. Joe is Joe. And it just, it just lets everybody play and express themselves in the way that, that they need to.
1: I uh, just want to rattle through a few quick bits before we go. Uh, Mikey, you might say uh, make a good point, obviously going into these big games. The bench yesterday actually looked uh, a bit stronger, didn't it? There was no no kids on there. A few options. Good to see Joe Lolly back on the bench as well, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, there's another one I didn't think was going to be back. So I don't know what the medical staff are doing, but it's working one way. It's amazing
2: how, how, how little time these injuries last when teams are winning. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> look at the City team and see how many injuries they've got.
0: Yeah, yeah, spot on. But yeah, yeah, you're right, Matt. I think it's. Uh, I looked at it yesterday and thought there's an option in pretty much every position there uh, and, and, a, and a strong option, um, as well as uh, a couple, I think Lorea was on the bench for the first time. You know, he's obviously a very exciting player by all accounts. But no, it's really good and just really positive. And that's why I didn't fancy as that much, if I'm honest, yesterday. And then when I saw the teams, I just thought you know, we've got a chance here, absolutely got a chance. And we, we have, you know, there was nine subs in the FA Cup, so that demonstrates the, the strength of the squad with those extra players getting on. And I thought, there's options there. There's options if we're chasing a game, if we're trying to hold on, um, if we want to try and do something different. And I've not always felt like that this season. So that bodes well, I think, for the future, Um, certainly for the rest of this season. Uh, no, it's it, it's really positive. And you've also got, as Fletcher was saying, a couple of players coming back from injury. Lolly's coming back in grabbing and be back in a couple of months, fingers crossed. Um, and it is looking very, very positive. And, you know, like like I said before, I never thought it would be anywhere near this. So I'm just enjoying every minute, to be honest with you.
1: Um, frivolous last question. And I, I, Fletch is going to have a nuanced answer to this. And I've got a sort of nuanced answer if he doesn't. Um, if you could win the FA Cup or go up this season, which would you choose? Go on, Fletch, you go first.
2: If If I was a Premier League team, and you gave me that Champions League FA Cup. I'd say mm-hmm. FA Cup all the time. But Forrest have been out of the top flight for so long that the club has to be in the Premier League. So the Premier League is the be-all and end-all. Got, they've got to get promoted. What it would mean for the city, for the businesses, the thousands and thousands of pounds that supporters have spent travelling to grounds in League One, and all the anguish they've felt with the, some of the clowns who have been in the manager's office during the, the period of time that this has been going on. They've got to get to the Premier League. It's, it's a Premier League club. The city's crying out for it. You can't even begin to imagine what it would feel like as a Premier League club. We've had two tastes this season in the FA Cup, and it's gone mad. You imagine if that's every other Saturday. Then you've got a month where you look at the calendar and think, oh, blimey, November, we've got Liverpool, and then a couple of weeks after that, we got Man United and we finished the month with Chelsea. I mean, you imagine that. You can stick your FA Cup. We have, we've got one of them from 19... They can't find it. I think the fella's still got it, hasn't he? The other, the other guy. <laughs> yeah, he still, still got it. He's still pinched it. Yeah. Look, they've got to get into the Premier League. I love a day out. Brilliant, fantastic, not a problem. But Premier, Premier
1: League, that's it, Premier League. So my answer was initially FA Cup. But when I think about it, actually the team we beat oh, yesterday it's off. let me answer <laughs> the team we <laughs> beat yesterday are actually the role models in a sense because leicester went up and obviously they won the premier league and that would be nice blah blah blah. second best achievement in english football but they went on and they built and they won the fa cup and actually that's the dream for forest you know
2: let's, let's get that right matt
1: it's the third best achievement in english football because the, the
2: the first the first with the two European Cups.
1: And the second's we winning the league. We
2: that was Horace winning the league when they just got... <laughs> it's, not even the, it's not even the second best. It's the third best achievement at best
1: for Leicester. <gasps> that's true. I'll edit that piece. Of yeah, sorry. But yes, that's my answer. Follow the Leicester model, build and then win the FA Cup in two or three years. Mikey, what's your answer?
0: Yeah, well, I'm not going to lie. So yesterday I said FA Cup, and it's probably because I was thinking with, with my heart and you're on an adrenaline rush after the game. And you're thinking, oh, can you imagine? You know, trip to Wembley, winning. But you, you come down a little bit, you have a thing. flesh absolutely nailed it. You know, it's it's hard, to, it's hard to disagree with that, to be honest with you. So um, as as brilliant as this is, and as as much as it's doing wonders for the city, the FA Cup run, it's all about getting in the Premier Leagues and sustaining in there as well. That's the key. Um, and then you get better players, bigger crowds, more exciting days like we had yesterday. And that's kind of the dream. So, yeah, I mean, I did say I Cup, but I'm allowed to change my mind on that. So I'll go well, I did well. <laughs> Yeah. <thanks>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I think we'll leave it there unless anyone's got anything to add. Uh, but that was a great chat. Thanks everyone who watched along. Loads of comments, loads of viewers, which we really appreciate. Uh, we shall be back this time next week or maybe later in the week if I... Uh, if they get a good result against Blackburn uh Fletch thank you very much my pleasure as always and Mikey thank you very much thanks Matt thanks for asking me appreciate it and we'll see everyone soon thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red a Nottingham Forest podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode thanks for listening